Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dealer Talk. So for today's conversation, um, we're, we have an amazing guest. This person has a very, very robust background. Um, they've been working in the dealership. They've uh, you know covered sales, management. They've worked in the BDC department. Currently, this person is uh, working for one of the biggest uh, names in the automotive industry right now, which is Cox Automotive. Um, he's a personal friend, somebody that I, I had the honor and privilege of working with uh, side by side in the past. And so I'm very excited to get into it and have a conversation. Before we get going, though, I just want to remind the audience out there to please, please make sure to reach out on LinkedIn to myself or Eric Nelson, my co-host. We'll include the, our LinkedIn profile um, in the show notes. Uh, send us your questions. We can bring those questions up to the guests and hopefully offer you some perspective um, or just uh, some suggestions on, on any of the struggles that you may have right now and, and some of the ways that you can overcome those. Um, before we get rolling here, I just want to talk really quick with uh, my co-host, Eric. How you doing, man? I, I find myself lacking today, Herb. Let me tell you why. Um, I, I find as if that I, I look on my background and I don't find it to be robust <laughs> I too want to have a robust background, and I've now went ahead and made that one of my well, lifetime goals. I too, should, I want to be known as robust. It's a fantastic word to be known as. See, um, that, that's where I find myself. Heard great morning today. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you're messing messing around before we get rolling here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> All right, let's just get into it. Um, without further ado, I have the awesome pleasure to introduce our guest of the day, Mr. Keith Tyson. Keith, how are you, sir? I, uh, I'm robust. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Wow. There it I is. I think you were thinking more about my waistline, though, than you were trying to cover up. <laughs> so, I, I appreciate it. It makes up for you uh, roping me into this call. I mean, inviting me on this call. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. I was a very first podcast, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, so it's it's exciting to be here. Awesome, man. We're definitely excited to have you and, and kind of sharing your perspectives. And um, I'm sure the audience is going to get um, huge insights and value out of it. Um, before we, we, we kind of get into a conversation here, just... Uh, can you kind of go over a little bit of your background and talk about some of your experiences for, for the listeners? Sure. I, I think it can best be summed up in one word that's not robust, uh, <laughs> oh, which, man. Is, which is old. Uh, I, I started selling cars in the very, very early 90s, and I actually started online in bulletin boards. If anybody remembers the old bulletin boards, Wow. It kind of predates the internet a little bit. And I was actually fortunate and unfortunate enough to go to a bulletin board party where all the people that you never met face-to-face, -face, you met face-to-face. -face. And let's just say there might have been a reason not to meet face-to-face. -face. <laughs> uh, but, but the internet grew, and, and we were one of the first auto buy tell dealers uh, back in the country. We actually had all of Virginia on lockdown. And these people would come in and say, I want a 99Y with a 44P and, and I like that in the YZ. And I had to look all this stuff up. I had no idea what they were talking about, even though I worked for, at that time, Ford. Uh, they, they knew more about the cars than I did. And so it's, it's been a nice journey since then, learning 
been in growing and watching all the changes. Uh, I remember not even taking pictures or pricing your cars. You just said you sold vehicles and people would buy from you because you were the only one that said they sold vehicles online. Uh, so it's been a lot of uh, reiterations of the iterations over the years, and uh, you've learned that you know nothing uh, <laughs> and, and to be open to change. And so that's been valuable lessons for me. Right on, man. So, um, you know, I kind of wanted to kick things off here with a very, um, you know, 50,000 view question, if you will. Um, you know, obviously, I know that you're, you're, you have great relationships with your stores um, and you're, you know, uh, you're in multiple different um, dealerships talking to different decision makers. And I kind of wanted to kick things off here with the question about the industry as a whole. Right. I mean, August was a was an interesting month for sure. Um, you know, I think I read somewhere, uh, I think it was Automotive News that uh, we were at 16.72 million units for August. Um, obviously, last year was, was, it, was, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but we had the, um, the hurricane situation that kind of changed things a little bit. Um, but what are you seeing? I mean, what are the decision makers, um, you know, what are they feeling? What are they talking about? Um, you know, kind of what, what do you what's the perception out there, man? Well, first off, uh, I, I will give you the word to say when you don't know what to say is is unbelievable. Uh, that was from uh, Grant Cardone. So people ask, you know, how was your month, Keith? And I'd say, unbelievable. And I can't <laughs> go either way. <laughs> how they wanted to think. But um, so, yeah, last month was. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, both for independents and for franchise stores uh, across the industry, I'm really seeing a tremendous pressure on our independent dealers. Uh, you know, before they used to have a real niche uh, or niche, I'm not really good at the French, uh, of, you know, they had these cars that were 2008, 2010 vehicles with maybe close to or over a hundred thousand miles and the franchise stores didn't really play in that, in that space. And so they enjoyed a, a little bit of autonomy and, and decent gross profits. Now the franchise stores have figured out that's the cars that, you know, they can turn really quick and get a lot of activity on. And uh, it's put a lot of downward pressure on these guys and expenses are, uh, are, are just becoming unbearable for many of them. Uh, because they don't have the two to three thousand dollar profits that they used to enjoy uh, to make it happen uh, on the franchise stores, uh, you know they they're, they they keep staying ahead of it, uh, but but it's 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 like you're in a football game and you can hear that guy, you can hear the footsteps behind you just creeping <laughs> up, and so you know again it's it's all about the margin compression and you know, watching what you're doing. Um, you know, I've talked to many people in the industry and, you know, where it might be easy to, to get someone to sign up for a 500 or, you know, $800 product. Now that's, you know, almost an ordeal uh, to kind of figure it out and where are we going to free up money? And, and it's like, it's, it's really changed. You know, it's like, that's only 500 bucks. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? And, and now it's like it takes a lot of consideration and thought and, and people are very mindful about what they're doing and uh, intentional about where their money goes and what their return is. And uh, a lot it's been run a lot more like a business. Uh, you know, we've we've enjoyed being uh, uh, very profitable for many, many, many years and uh, enjoying 
even though it's a percentage profit was maybe two or three percent uh, of the total, uh, two or three percent of forty thousand dollars, I'm okay with, right? I can live on that. And and now we're not even seeing that, and the manufacturers aren't helping as much uh, as they used to. They their stair step programs uh, uh, are are like a stair master, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They really uh, put you through it. And some of them have so many hoops that uh, uh, it's, it's really tough on the dealer. So I, I feel for them. We, we, that's one of the main things I, I consult with are ways that we can try to relieve expenses, be more efficient, leverage things out across um, their whole spends and, and uh, make sure that we're closing. And, and you know, we, in other words, we spend all this money and all this time getting the marketing and the merchandising and everything else right. Are we capitalizing uh on those opportunities when they're coming in the showroom or picking up the phone or or chatting with us and you know how are our processes from there because i think they're 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 watching spillage if you will uh from from every angle so it's it's been it's been neat to watch but but a little bit scary too because i'm seeing more and more groups buying up everybody unless uh private ownership which is has kind of been the, the the real beauty of our industry is, is the person the personalization of each experience uh, to it I'm not saying that groups can't offer a lot but I, I do love the diversity of the the automotive uh, atmosphere hey so Keith that that, that kind of leads into my next question you know because your your career is so robust um, and it has such a background you know pre internet and everything with with technology and just seems like almost like um, the, the, the platforms are, are changing and evolving so fast from a dealership standpoint, from a dealership standpoint, um, what, what should we be slowing down at? Where should we really be paying attention to? What, what, even though everything seems to be changing so fast and evolving so fast, what are things that we should just slow down at and really put the focus back on in, in your experience? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'd say one thing. Uh, if, if it was an overarching thing, it would be accountability. Uh, right. I think that's important with your vendors. It's important with your employees. Uh, it's important to your owner. It's important for your owner to give to you uh, across the board. Uh, I think, you know, early on in, in my car selling career, you know, you, you'd think you're doing well and you'd smile at your manager and then you'd come in one Saturday morning and he'd blow you up. Well, you're not doing this. And, and it's like, well, that's the first you've ever mentioned that. And I'm happy to, to start doing that. But, you know, if you don't tell me what you want, I can't give you what you want. You know, I might look into it every once in a while, but that's not going to happen. And, and I think accountability is also important because, if you don't figure out, you know, where your profit is coming from, where your referrals are coming from, where your success is coming from, then you can't do the things to get more of that, right? And, and you can't um, you can't duplicate it. Uh, one of my favorite uh, speakers and authors is Dave Anderson. And if you haven't read anything by him, he's got some great podcasts as well. If you like podcasts like this. Um, and he talks about accountability, real simple stuff, uh, easy to do, doesn't require, um, you know, a tremendous amount of thought or brain power. I could even do it. Um, so, you know, that, that's, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but, but, you know, just, just making a board. Like I've worked with some of my dealers and, you know, they're like, Oh, I got a, I got a thousand leads last month, but we only sold, you know, whatever number of cars. And I go, well, you know, the basics for me, for, as far as I'm concerned, you know, how many, how many of those did you get appointments on? How many of those came in the store? How many of those did you sell? How many of those uh, did you sell with the bank wouldn't finance? Like where, where are our spillage points? Where are our holes in the system that are causing us to lose deals? And then when you can start to address those, then you just sell more cars and you become more efficient. But many times it's not about spending more money. It's about just being more effective. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, kind of following along that, that um, you know, that thought, what are some of the ways? So I guess here's, here's one way um, – kind of that I've experienced myself, right? And when you're talking about accountability, like let's just look at the internet department. Um, you know, one of the things in, in the conversations that I have with stores sometimes is we go into talking about, you know, how many leads they have versus how many they're selling. I mean, are they tracking that, right? Because it's important because right? if you're, you know, if you're at a certain amount of visits uh, factored to a certain amount of sales, then logic says, you know, if you increase the number of visits, then your your sales should go up, right? You get more people on the website, more people looking at the inventory, provided obviously that merchandising and all those things are, um, you know, are, are done correctly. Uh, but oftentimes I find that um, they're, they're not even aware of something as simple as that. I mean, is that something that you see? How do you kind of you know, when you talk about accountability, how do you get those decision makers to really focus and pay attention to those things and, 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 and measure it? Right. Because like you said, if you can't measure it, then it's not effective. Right. Yeah. I, I like questions. I think questions really help people think about the problem from a different angle. Um, you know, we talk about profit compression and, 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 you know, how that thing, how that's working. And so one of the questions I've been asking lately is, uh, you know, when your salespeople are presenting numbers, how do they justify that your price is the best price? Right. How do they make that clear in the customer's mind? Because you spent a lot of time to make sure you had a good deal. You price it as a good deal. But but how do you consistently explain this? And for most owners and, and GMs and desk managers, everybody, it gives them pause because you know, it's one of those things in the industry, whether it's like, you know, how do you handle the guy when he says his trait's not worth enough? You know, you're not giving enough for the trait. What's well, a question we've been asked 47,000 times, but have you thought of a really good consistent answer, right? Uh, if, if you think of a professional com professional comedian or a, a professional sports player, anybody else, they know the plays that they have to execute and they know exactly what they need to do for each of these things. And have we thought about that as an industry, you know, exactly what to do. And if we have, have we trained our people how to be as good as us or as close as they can be to us and, and how they respond and, and the consistency, because when you have that and you're speaking with a customer, uh, you speak with such conviction and, and it's not like the first time you heard the question and, and you're bumbling over yourself. People realize, yeah, hey, this guy is being right. I mean, we are dealing with the, the lowest amount of profits that we've ever made per car in the car business. And we need to stand up by that and say, hey, look, no, this is an amazing deal. And here's why. And here's how I justified it. 
or this is why your trade is worth what it's, what it's worth. And there's a lot of tools out there that, that help us with that. Um, and, and I would really suggest, you know, leveraging that power third party. Um, doesn't have to be our third party, but uh, I would use somebody. Uh, and there is so much competition out there for it because that's where the world's going. It's all about social proof. You know, 17 people are looking at this car and uh, 81 people booked this hotel this month and there's only two rooms left. And, uh, you know, we don't we don't need to as much. Uh, it's the information's out there. Just share. Uh, you know, I think Grant Cardone started it maybe, you know, 30 some years ago. Sorry, Grant, I don't mean to. <laughs> that's how long I've been listening to you at least and um, but you know he was like hey overshare give them everything and uh, you know have your plan I think you know as I mentioned you know, know what you're going to say and know it well know your lines like a great actor uh, in terms of how you're going to convey that value yeah that's that's <laughs> that's I mean that's such great advice you know coaching that's why the, the communication is key I believe that and that wholeheartedly um you know, I was, I was looking up your, your very robust background and, and quotes that you post and whatnot. You have a you have a great interest in Seth Godin. And I actually went and, and kind of reviewed some of his daily blogs. Um, and I, I have a question for you that, that he uh, that he presented with one of his blogs and I, I want to read the blog and then we'll we'll ask the question. And it says the price is obvious. It can be seen from a mile away, but value is more subtle. It often needs to be experienced to be understood. The price is uh, the same for every person who buys the item at retail. The value is different for everyone. Um, low price is the last refuge for marketers who don't have the patience or guts to demonstrate value for those that need it. Now, look, number one, that's a brilliant quote. It's, a, it's really well stated. But my question is this. Um, because, you know, the, the dealership is more and more virtual these days. How do we stand out from a value standpoint online? What are things that we could be doing to uh, demonstrate to the, the consumer by just landing on our website uh, that, that really forefronts that value? And in your opinion, I mean, is that necessary? So the number one advice that I give my stores is stop thinking about you. Every time we go to these websites, it's all about the dealer. It's all about him and what he wants you to do and pop-ups and chats and test drive coupons. And they're just getting barraged with stuff that, you know, they're not ready for yet. You know, right from the homepage, it's like, bing, 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 you know, pop-ups coming up on the screen. <laughs> And, and the guys, you know, trying to act like Keanu Reeves in the Matrix to avoid it all. Uh, I mean, it's just too much at, at one time. And so be intentional. It would probably be what I would tell you. You know, think about the process from that customer's viewpoint. And some of us, you know, myself included, uh, are, are so jaded from being in the industry so long. We may say we're doing it, but we're really not doing it. So, you know, we have these wonderful things called spouses or, or girlfriends or boyfriends out there. And uh, <laughs> a lot of times they don't know or maybe may be able to be better at being a shopper and, and you know, not as jaded as us. And, you know, my wife's given me incredible you know, insights and advice 
when I've shown her different dealers websites or uh, email responses when I've done mystery shops for folks and uh, she's like oh cringe <laughs> that's not good they didn't answer a single question I asked and so so be aware of what the experience is and along those lines shop your competition uh, I just did a mystery shop for one of my Toyota stores and I contacted 27 Toyota stores um, from like that above the big lake in Florida down to Fort Myers at the very, very tip, just above the keys. And I was incredibly or maybe even unbelievably overwhelmed or underwhelmed. Uh, the, the responses I asked three basic questions, you know, what features are on this car? Uh, what's your best cash price? And do you have a dealer fee? And just want to see how they responded. Uh, I think maybe 20% of them answered all three questions. Uh, a lot of them answered quick, man. Quick is the new quick. <laughs> they were they were getting back to me in, in three and four minutes. One, one guy even got me a complete video in my email in five minutes with him leaving a message. Wow. But, but he had a screen to the left of him where I guess he was reading my notes. So when he spoke to me on video, it looked like he wasn't paying attention because he kept looking off to the left. <laughs> and it's like, think about the, it's great idea, poor execution. Think about the experience for the customer, test yourself, test your competition, see where they're weak and be stronger. Uh, we did a study of, I think it was over 4,000 buyers, not shoppers, but buyers, people that actually bought a car. And, you know, of them, 17 of them uh, said they were happy with the current process. Wow. Buying a vehicle. So, I mean, hey, at least you got 17, right? And uh, <laughs> tough close. But, but that's so much opportunity. You know, when you look at, hey, margins are getting compressed and things are getting tighter and tougher. Well, how do we just improve the process? Right? How do we make it better? I mean, yeah, I've got Disney World here in my backyard. And let me tell you, they're not the cheapest. They are not focused on low price. But you can't get an experience like that anywhere else in the world except California. Uh, <laughs> maybe Paris, France, right? And so people come from Asia and Europe and every continent on the globe except maybe Iceland. I mean, not Iceland, uh, Art Antarctica. <laughs> I was like, it's cold. Which one is that? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they come all over to have this amazing experience. If you look at Starbucks coffee, it's coffee. It's a bean. But they can get five, six bucks for it. If, if you go look at Apple, the iPhone, what is that thing? Like almost a grand for a phone. And, and But it's such an amazing experience that people are willing to pay for it. We went to go see a concert the other night, and it wasn't even a big-name person. And it was over $100 a ticket. And, and the beers were about 15 bucks. <laughs> but, but we do it because we crave these amazing experiences. So I say all that to say this. Make your dealership, make your sales process. If you're a vendor, make, make your engagement with your, with, your, with your clients an amazing experience. What can you do that nobody else can do? And spend, spend an hour this week, just an hour and think about it, you're going to blow yourself away at the ideas that you come up with and how you can really differentiate yourself and, 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 and make it that amazing experience. Such a great answer. Yeah, man. You know, I really, I really love that, that 
perspective, I, I, you know, obviously we hear that word um, often, right? The experience, that's really what, what the focus is. But um, what can you talk about when it comes to the in-person experience? Obviously, digital is, is, is a key part of it all. But at the end of the day, the customer is still going to the store and they still have to talk to a, to a person at the dealership and, you know, do a test drive and all these things. So once we get that customer from, from the digital platform into the physical location, um, what are some of the things that you can uh, share about best practices when it comes to that part of the process? Well, I, I think the, the key part is, and you mentioned it earlier, I was going to say something, but I'd, I'd heard it before, is stop having internet departments. Right? We don't have a newspaper department. We never had a TV or a radio department or a mailer department. You know, it's all just about connecting with people. That's all we're doing. A lot of people, especially in the earlier days, the, the, the internet manager was, was pros, and, and no offense to those that fit this because I do, but the geekiest person in the whole dealership, right? It, it wasn't, you know, they, they know how to operate a computer, so you run the internet department. Well, it's about making connections. It's not about connecting an HDMI cable, right? It's not about putting the, the, the printer port, uh, hooking that up and, and knowing all the details. That's what you get an IT guy for. Uh, you know, all that we do is make connections. No matter how this industry grows, no matter how it evolves, it's all going to be about making connections. And so how do you do that? And how do you have that experience that people love and remember? Well, I, I said it earlier, ask questions. You know, one of my favorite questions was, tell me about your worst experience buying a car. Like, what didn't you like? Shut up. And then they'll mention one, maybe two things that are typically part of your process. But if you know that up front, you can eliminate it. And they're like, wow, they listen to me. They don't do anything like that. They're so different from all the other car dealers. Oh, yeah, if you tell me. Right. <laughs> you know, but, but it's asking those questions. And then, you know, what's one thing that, that you've always thought would be awesome when buying a car? You shut up and listen. And maybe you can do that. Maybe that's that real easy thing. Like, oh, gosh, we do that anyway. We fill up everybody's car with gas, right? But they never had that before. But you can make a big deal about that. Uh, also, I think just showing a lot of respect and humility uh, when we're with clients and, uh, you know, offering to get them water and, and making sure that we value their time and, and, and try to maybe do the trade appraisal while we're showing them the vehicle and letting them know about that and telling them up front what the process is going to be like and what kind of time to expect and, you know, making sure they have a lot of that for it today or maybe, hey, uh, maybe we'll handle this part today, right? And uh, then, then kind of making it fun from there. I've seen a lot of dealers uh, do some cool stuff because buying a car at the end of the day, once you're done with, you know, all the, all this, the scared uh, part of walking in the store and you find the car and you realize you can trust the person. Well, then it's exciting. You just bought a new car. And a lot of dealers do some really cool stuff uh, online uh, to both, you know, kind of cross promote their dealership and this person buying a car and, and to let their, their friends know about it. And what better way? I mean, when somebody else buys a car that triggers my uh, Mr. Smith factor, and I want to buy a car or, hey, I've been thinking about buying a car, right? 
And, oh, wow, they dealt with these guys. They seem cool. Oh, they seem fun. And so, so it makes, it makes it really nice. I was reading another, um, uh, uh, audio book or something like that. And the guy was a realtor. And so when he would sell a home, he would throw a party for the homeowner, a housewarming party about 30 days later for all his friends. And he'd cater it. And of course he'd get to write it off, but he'd have prizes and all kinds of things for him. And I mean, can you believe the amount of uh, referrals he would get from doing something like that? Like I'm, my parents, you know, offense dad, if you're listening, but I mean, they were, they were in real estate for 35 years and never came up with that little simple thing. So again, if you take an hour and really think about what you can do, all you need are one or two things that are just super special, but they don't have to cost a lot of money. It can have a tremendous amount of value for your shopper. And in this case, like, like for the realtor, uh, coming back to your business, like it's fun to do. It's, it's not that hard to throw a party. I could, if I was a party thrower for a living, I'd probably do all right at that. Um, <laughs> next morning might be tough, but I can do it. And, um, but you know, that's what it's all about, right? It's, it's just thinking about how are you unique and how do you make it special and, and how do you give that shopper what they want, even if they don't know they want it? You know, be Walt Disney for your dealership. Yeah, man, um, totally agree with that. You know, um, it's been it's been a great, great conversation, man. I've really enjoyed having you on here. Definitely want to open the invitation to have you back on the show. Uh, before I um, is that let, a robust invitation? It, it, yeah, man. You know. The, <laughs> It's gonna go down as the as the robust episode, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so let's definitely you know uh, talk about doing that and, and and you know being able to continue to share your your perspectives and experiences. Uh, before I open it up to um, give you a chance to kind of share how people can get in touch with you, I always have one question that I ask everybody that comes on, and that's where do you see the automotive industry heading in the next five years, and why? Oh, you got to end on this? Seriously? Um, let, me, let me do some uh, prognosticating here. Um, I'll be the Puxatani Phil of the car business. Uh, I don't see my shadow, so it's going to continue for five more years. Um, or maybe it's the other way. I don't remember. Another groundhog. He says whatever he says. But, um, no, the industry, you know, I think we're going to do well. I think, I think we're going to start to see it slowly, you know, ease back. Um, on sales, I don't think we're going to see anything like we saw in 2008 again. I, I really feel like uh, we, we've become too smart of operators. Uh, not too smart, but, you know, we, we've really dialed it down. Uh, we're, we, you hit us once, you're not going to hit us again, right? We know what's going on. The manufacturers aren't making the moves that they used to make. I mean, I remember it was 2008 walking into Chrysler stores, and they were, you know, and there's this tiny store out in the middle of nowhere in Florida had like 300 Chryslers on their lot. <laughs> like, what's up with this? He goes, I don't know. The zone rep just keeps sending them. <laughs> they, they had like a, a 4,000 day supply of uh, Chrysler 200s at the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just bad moves. Right. So I don't think we're going to have anything like earth shattering. Uh, and watching the, um, 
the interest rates creep up and they're obviously going to slow home sales and, and car sales up a bit. So we need to be mindful of that. Uh, hopefully the, uh, the manufacturers will, uh, will rely on leasing to kind of offset some of that more. Uh, I do think we need to, to have a better solution uh, for the end of the leases. Uh, I think leasing has increased, but we really haven't figured out what to do when we're successful with leasing because supply and demand that obviously affects the, uh, the price. You know, we bought, uh, bought my wife, Alexis IS 200. And, you know, we were so excited to get this cheap payment, you know, on a, on a nice vehicle. And, and then she decides, you know, like all good wives, she wanted to change uh, after a year. <laughs> and so I go to look it up and I expect it to be a little bit upside down, but I checked in V auto and our market average is about 57 days supply inventory. The Lexus IS had a 138 day supply. And this is a Lexus, right? It's supposed to hold its value, but they dump so many of them on the market in the name of chasing units that they kind of hurt themselves in the long run. So we've got to overcome that. And then of course we hear a lot about, uh, you know, connectivity and digital retailing. I think, I think that's going to be really important. And, you know, the dealers that, the dealers that, again, are very intentional and think about that process. I think we've got something really special here, uh, but I, I think we're going to look back five years later and, you know, if, if any of y'all are Star Trek fans, uh, uh, I remember Bones in that one Star Trek movie, you know, watching us operate on people in modern day going, oh, they were such barbarians. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like, you know, until you know, you don't know. And so you're doing what you can, but I think that's a real opportunity for for a savvy dealer um, to to really you know think about that process and, and nail it. And then we hear a lot about um, you know the driverless cars and new models and subscription models and and things like that. And I, I think while I think those are definitely trends to watch and to be aware of. Uh, I personally don't think in five years that's something that, um, yeah, the average dealer, it's not going to make up a huge percentage of what they do, right? Uh, I, I think it's more of the uh, the Buzz Lightyear, right? It's the brand new toy, and uh, we just need to focus on the Woodies uh, of the world, you know, the more consistent toys that work for us and, and, uh, and, and bring us our profits and how we can be better with those. Be mindful of them, but... Don't, don't go chase the latest industry buzzword. I, I just don't feel like the rest of the world is there yet. Um, Uber's been around for a long time. And, and yes, I use Uber, but it represents 0.5%, maybe 1% of all the trips that I take. And, you know, I just need my car too much uh, in my day-to-day life. And so uh, I would be mindful of that, but I, I wouldn't... Uh, Many stores I've seen over the years kind of get told stuff by the, the manufacturer, the OEM, and, and they, they plan all these processes around it, and it's really not the ROI that, that it was purported to be uh, with that. Um, so that's it. My Nostradamus time is over. I, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting this question, and you really you really crushed me. <laughs> hey, man, I love the answer, so I think you're right on on a lot of that. So. Hey, man, it's been amazing to have you on Uh, again, uh, you know, invitation open to have you back in the future. Uh, Just really quick, if you could share how people can get in touch with you. 
Uh, why don't you put it in the notes somewhere? Because my last name is German, and to spell and to spell it, it might take too much work. Uh, but it's it's uh, Keith.Tyson at CoxAutoInc.com. Uh, Tyson is T-H-E-I-S-E-N, just like it sounds. Um, if you're German, <laughs> and, uh, you're, you're good to go. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, and uh, I'm also on Twitter, but you'll never see anything twitted from me because I'm not a twit. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that was not a reference to anyone else who might tweet or twit. <laughs> but, you know, take it for what you will. Unbelievable. Cool, man. Yeah, definitely we'll, uh, we'll, we'll plug that into the notes. And, again, thank you so much for being on here. There it is, folks. Um, that's all we have for you today. And as usual, we'll talk later. Robust.